Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word can go to the deepest part of our heart. There's no mountain too high for your word to reach. There's no problem too, you know, too much for your word to touch. There's no darkness too thick for your word to penetrate. So, Lord, I pray that your word will be spoken this morning with power, with precision, with grace, and our lives will never remain the same. In Jesus' name we pray. The Lord put a word in my heart to share today, and I really, really prayed that, uh, and I still pray that you, you know, this word will really meet everyone that needs to hear it, uh, just in the place they need, you know, that it needs to. So I'm going to be talking about maintaining a tender heart how to maintain a tender heart. And I use the word maintain because I believe one of the promises God gave is to give us a tender heart. One of the things that happens to us when we give our life to Jesus Christ is God gives us a a new heart. In fact, he says, I will take away the heart of snow, I mean stone rather. In Ezekiel chapter 36, it's also repeated in Hebrews chapter 8. The Lord said, I will take away the heart of snow, stone, which means a hard heart, and I will replace it with a heart of flesh, which means a tender heart, a soft heart. And it's important because our heart is very, very, very important. The condition of our heart is so important to God, but also it's also very important to us. The condition of your heart is so critical, in fact, determines a lot of things that happen to you. I'd like us to read together a passage of the scripture, which I'm sure many of you already know. Uh, some of us, maybe the first time, which is good, uh, too. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I would like them to display it on the screen, and we can all read it together. I want you to go. One, two. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I want you to think about that. Think about that scripture. Guard. How many of us have ever had to guard something? You have something precious that you have to protect. He said, if there's one thing you must guard, you must protect, it is your heart above every other thing you have. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. What your life becomes, your direction, what you become in life, is a function of the condition of your heart. Because the heart is the center of all human activity. It is the center of the operations of our lives. It is also at the center of every spiritual activity going on in our life. So our heart is like, you know, is like that central command system where everything about our life emanates from their control. Praise the name of Jesus. Our heart is the ruling center of our life. It's, the, it's, the, it's what rules our desires, you know, our will, and everything. So our heart and its condition is very, very important. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. You see, your heart is really the center of your purpose. It's where, that's where your treasure is. That's the center of your passion. You know, people have been, you know, very, very successful because they have a passion. You know, the seat of your passion is your heart. The seat of your desire is your heart. The seat of your love is your heart. It's very, very important. Many years ago, I spent a lot of time trying to study the heart. You know, what, what, is, what does the Bible call the heart, the spiritual 
is our spiritual heart. Now, when I mean heart, I, mean, I don't mean physical heart. You know, you know, your physical heart is here. You know, but it means something to your body. Your physical heart is also like the center of everything that is going on in your life. Pumps the blood, you know, all these things. So it's, but there's a spiritual heart, you know, which is different uh, from our mind and our spirit. You know, when I became a Christian, I started studying this whole subject of, you know, the spirit, soul, and the body, which many of you know, I, I'm very, very passionate about that. I wrote a book where I, I put all that in there. You know, the man is a, is a spirit. The part of us that comes from God is our spirit. We live in a body, and we have a soul, right? The soul is the immaterial part of man, which our mind is, our will is there, our emotion is there. That is in the soul, which is generally we just use the word mind, all right? But I started discovering, and this is, this is, by the way, I studied this because many people have written about it. You know, Kenneth Hagin was known to be one of the, uh, you know, uh, biggest one that wrote about it, explained this. E.W. Kenyon was another late man of God that did a lot of, uh, put a lot of material there. Watchman Nee was another person that put a lot of material there. So I started studying this. But I discovered that heart is mentioned, but it doesn't necessarily fit into all of this. So we know the mind, we know the spirit, we know the physical body. But I also see that throughout the scripture, depending on what version of the Bible you read, from oh, between 600 and 1,000 times, the word heart is mentioned. And I started to really do a study. So where is the place of the heart? You know, I'm very, very left brain. So I like to really understand things very well, at least put it in, in some perspective, you know. But I discover that it looks like, at least my conviction, my personal research, heart becomes the connecting point of our spirit and our mind or our soul. Now, physical body is very, very easy to, to know. We know the physical body. The spirit, obviously, is the part of us that comes from God, all right? That's, that's you know, the breath of life that God breathed into man when he created us in Genesis chapter 2, you know, is our spirit man. Well, no, we, we know we have a part that is mind. The mind is intellect, right? That is, you know, but our heart is deeper than our mind. That's what I realized. And I realized that a lot of times in the Bible when the heart is used, it kind of feels like it's talking about the mind, right? It, it's, it's talking about the thought of your heart. You know, sometimes when the heart is used, it's actually much deeper than that. It's, a, it's, it's like a spirit. It's like spirit because it will talk about, I'll give you a new heart, you know, and I know that, we never got a new mind, all right? Our mind remains the same when we got saved. So heart became a very, very complex thing for me to study, uh, to understand. But eventually, uh, I came across a few scriptures that really gave me some enlightenment, which is uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 12, 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of the soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and, the discerning, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So here I see that he says, the word divides or pierces to the division. There's a division, there's a gap between our soul and spirit. You know, and I believe that is where our heart is located. Our heart is the link between our mind and our, and our spirit. You know, unless something gets into our heart, it doesn't become a controlling factor. Yes, our mind is the gateway into us. But our heart is really the gateway into our spirit. You know, when things get into our heart, that's how they get into our spirit. Things that get into our heart, they are very, very difficult to get rid of. It is like the extreme end of our mind where the mind connects to the spirit of a man. I hope I haven't confused you. <clears throat> I know you are all intellectual people. You love, you love this stuff. That's why you come here, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's why the Bible will always talk about the word of God dwelling in our hearts, not just in our mind. The word of God, he said in Colossians 3.16, he says, let the word of God dwell richly in your heart, right? 
you know, until the word of God gets into our heart. And the process of getting the word of God into our heart is called meditation. You know, just hearing it, yes, it stays in your mind for a few days, but it doesn't become a controlling factor. The reason why many of us, we hear the word, we read the word, but it doesn't become an essential aspect of our life. It doesn't control how we live, how we move, how we make decisions. It's because those words are not in our heart. Yes, they are in our mind. You know, we remember them, you know, we can recall them, but they have not come into our heart. The process of those words coming into our heart is, you know, is, is meditation. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, when we become Christians, when we become born again, when we make that decision to accept the offering, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and place our total faith in it, something happens to us. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27, we receive a new heart. In fact, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. So you see, the heart is different from the spirit. And he says, I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my status, and you will keep my judgment. So you see that the Bible is here. From here you know there is spirit, there is heart. It talks about, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. We know what it means is it renews our spirit. Our spirit becomes new, our human spirit. You know, we also know that he put his spirit, and if you notice, if you are reading very well, you will see that the first word, spirit, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, is, uh, is a lowercase s, right? And if you go in verse 27, I will put my spirit, that's uppercase, right? You know, so that's the difference between human spirit and God's spirit. So there's human spirit here, but there's also new, our heart. He said, I will give you a new heart, you know? But it clarifies for that to say, what you have is a heart of stone. I'm going to replace that with a heart of flesh. Why is that necessary? Why do we need a heart of flesh? Or what the Bible describes over and over as tender heart. I'm using the word a tender heart. The heart of flesh is needed. The characteristics of a tender heart is, number one, it is sensitive to God. That is, it is responsive to God. This is how you know you have a tender heart. A tender heart is sensitive to God, can sense God, can pick God, can, you know, can receive things from God. It is not hard. It is not stony. It is not callous. It is not stubborn, right? It is sensitive to God. Another characteristic of a tender heart is it is sensitive to sin, all right? It is broken by sin. It is not, you know, it is not seared. You know, the Apostle Paul talks in Romans, you know, chapter 1, I believe, verse 28. Some people have a reprobate mind, or his heart is seared. At first, somewhere in Timothy, he talks about some people's heart are seared with, is they are like seared with hot iron, right? Like, they are not responsive to sin anymore. You know, that's a very dangerous place to be, where you can go on sinning and you don't feel it anymore. I mean, that's it. That's it. That's that's, that's, that's like apostasis, where, you know, sin becomes, okay, you are not bothered anymore. The reason why God calls uh, David a man after my heart, and he remained a man, of, a man after God's heart was, you know, he was sensitive to sin, right? He wasn't immune to sin, but he was sensitive. When, when he's confronted with his sin, he breaks down. He, he goes, Lord, just, just I've, I've seen creating me a clean heart right? Renew a right spirit in me, you know, cast me not away from your presence, take not your Holy Spirit from me, restore unto me the joy of your salvation, renew a right spirit in me. That's, he, he went to, the, despite the fact that he was a king, he was a big man, you know, he was confronted, but because his heart was sensitive to sin. So, a, a tender heart is sensitive to sin. A tender heart is also, is sensitive to people, you know, you know, a tender heart is, is, uh, can be moved by other people's suffering. You know, it's compassionate. A tender heart can forgive. A tender heart can, can feel other people's pain. You know, when you don't have a tender heart, you, you, can, you become callous. You don't care. You, you know, you just move on. You are concerned about you. You are not really moved by what people are going through. 
But also a tender heart is usable by God. And that's what makes it important. It, because it's, it's pliable or it's, uh, it's bendable. You know, we need, it's only a tender heart that is bendable by God. It's not subjective. It's objective. It's, 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 it's released to God. God can, you know, move it, you know, apply, you know, just change it, you know, very, you know, to what he wants it to be. Praise the name of Jesus. <clears throat> now, as, as you go through life, you discover that life brings all kinds of experiences to us. You know, we have ups and downs, you know, and those things, they have a way of affecting the condition of our hearts. And a lot of times, many of us, we suffer heart damage, spiritual heart damage, especially when we go through difficult times or when we get engaged in sin or all this, whatever, we're going to go through some of these circumstances that can make our heart, our tender heart, our heart of flesh that God gave to us to become very stony or hard. So if we are not careful, you know, hard circumstances can produce hardness in our hearts. And that's why the scripture we read today, that's, that's actually why I will go back to that scripture and we're going to read Hebrews chapter 3. So look at verse 12 in Hebrews chapter 3. He started by saying, beware, brethren. He said, beware. You know, make sure you, are, you pay attention to this. Because he said, lest any of you there, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. The word translated evil is actually the word diseased. You see, a heart that is compromised. It's like saying, just beware, lest you don't have a compromised heart. You see, a compromised heart will go to unbelief. You know, a compromised heart is an unbelieving heart. One of the reasons God gave us a heart of flesh is so that we can believe in him, all right? You know, God constantly chastised the, the Israelites because they said their hearts were hardened. You know, they, they were not believing anymore. See? So you have to be careful so you don't have, you know, a, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from God, in, in just going apart from God, doing things apart from or going contrary to God. Because these things, they happen in our heart first. The Bible says a backslider in the heart is full of his ways. People backslide in their heart before it ever manifests physically. All right? He says, so be careful. But he says in verse 13, exhort one another daily while it is caught today. One of the mechanisms that God put to prevent hardness of heart is a place like this, a place of fellowship, you know, relationship in our life, godly relationship. You know, if you don't have godly relationship, it's very easy to develop a hardened heart. Because it's, look at what he says, exhort one another. You need people that will be able to exhort you, that will be able to challenge you. They will be able to say, you know, what you're doing is wrong. This is not what Jesus wants. He says, exhort one another daily. Why it is caught today, lest, unless any of you, will be hardened. If you don't have people who constantly challenge you, who constantly poke your heart, he said you will be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. You know, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Look at verse 15. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. As in the rebellion. The rebellion he's talking about is, is in the, he, was copying, he was talking about the Israelites. That they hardened their heart. They became rebellious. They were not sensitive to God. They were not responsive to God. They hardened their heart and God was not pleased with that generation. Praise the name of Jesus. So what are, from here and many scriptures, what are characteristics of a hardened heart? How do you know, hey, maybe my heart is becoming hardened? Because... Every one of us, we get to a, we, we experience that from time to time. I mean, if you don't know how to catch it, if you don't know how to say, how to, how to measure, how to determine, you know what, it looks like something is going on inside of me that I need to pay attention to. When we have a hardened heart, we begin to shut ourselves off from people. You know, from God first and from people. You begin to shut yourself. 
you find yourself, you know, you know, you shot, you know, you don't want people around you. You know, obviously, you know, you, like, like that's what he says. He said, you know, <clears throat> you know, he said we should exhort one another. You, have, you avoid those situations where you are poked. You avoid that, those situations where you are confronted. You know, when you begin to see yourself wanting to withdraw, withdraw from God, withdraw from others, you are, be, you are developing a hardened heart. When you are beginning to become emotionally numb and cold, you know, hardened heart, you know, you are no longer moved, for example, by worship. You know, worship doesn't really make you cry anymore. You know, you used to be just boiled when you are in the presence of God. You are just touched. You just, you know, those are not, you are not moved by that. You are emotionally numb and cold. You know, what is going on? You, you know, your heart is hardening. You know, your attitude are becoming critical. You know, you're skeptical, you're cynical, you know, things don't, you know, you're suspecting everybody. I mean, you're cynical of everything that is going on. It is a sign that there's a hardening of your heart. You are losing sense, you know, your perspective about people, you know, about life is becoming so warped, you know, it's becoming so cynical. You are losing sensitivity to God. You know, your conscience, you're losing sensitivity to your conscience. You know, when we have a hardened heart, you stop caring, you stop caring, you stop giving, you stop caring, you stop growing. That's essentially what the enemy is looking for. You stop growing. Hard-hearted people are sore. And very unpleasant. You start becoming very unpleasant. You start becoming not nice. And you know it. You know, you start becoming really, really easily agitated, easily irritated by people, you know, around you. You know, what is going on in that instance is your heart is becoming hardening. You start rationalizing sin and disobedience. You know, you get to a place now where you are... You are now saying, you know what, well, maybe not that. You know, in your, you constantly rationalize sin, especially for yourself. You know, I think a, someone with a tender heart, you know, can even try to understand other people's sin, right? You know, you can say, you know what I feel. But you, if you have a tender heart, you don't, you don't understand your sin, right? You, you, are, you, are, you, you are quick, you know, to try to deal with sin in your life. You know, why you are not quick to judge other people. You know, people with hardened heart, they are reverse, all right? They are quick to judge other people, but they are very quick to defend themselves. They are very quick to rationalize sin in their own life. You know, you know human wisdom is becoming more appealing to you. You know, you start really, you know, you are listening to all these new age people, people who have this wisdom, you know, that, is not, that is, has nothing to do with God. They might even say God, they don't care about God. You start becomes appealing to you. You know, when you are, you know, when you have a hardened heart, you begin to lose the wonder of God. You know, God is not awesome. I mean, you don't feel it. I mean, you sing it, but they don't move you anymore. You know, those songs that just move you, they don't move you anymore. When you find yourself in that situation, you, you are noticing, wait a minute, I think there's something going on that I need to do something about. Because one of the most important things we can do in life is to keep a tender heart as a child of God. You must guard your heart from being hardened. All right? There are so many things we should guard our heart from, from Proverbs 24, 23. That's not the subject of today. Maybe in future we'll talk about so many things we must guard our heart from. But today, I want to focus on guarding your heart from being hardened. You know, being hardened, being, becoming insensitive to God. Now, how do we, you know, what leads to hardness of heart? You know, I started by saying in Ezekiel 36, God gives us a heart of flesh. In fact, that's what allows you to repent. That's what led to repentance. That's why you accepted Jesus. That's why you, you know, you went on your knees. That's why you, you know, attended the altar call. That's when you really felt, you know what, I want to really, really you know, I want to live my life for God. You cry, I surrender all. You boy, you cry. You know, you were moved. But as time goes on, you discover that so many things will happen in your life. You know, you might even become, begin to make fun of those experiences. You know, those experiences don't mean much anymore. You know, you, 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 they are so removed now, you don't even feel them anymore. And what happened? 
Number one is constant use is number one. You know, life just has a way of hardening us. Constant. Because, we, you know, we deal with people, we deal with life, we deal with disappointment, you know, we deal with, which is, they're all factors of life, right? We deal with things, you know, you're disappointed, you go to a church, somebody, you, you know, you put hair, you know, done something so bad, you are like so disappointed. You know, you, you go through life, you have personal problems of your own, all those, the ups and downs of life, you know, it hardens our heart. And the problem with hardening is, is gradual. You know, the problem is hardening heart is because it happens gradually. And because it happens gradually, if we are not intentional, we, you, by the time you find yourself, you are so removed, you need a serious whack from God to even get yourself back. Hallelujah. You know, and by the time people discover it. The problem with hardening heart is if you don't pick it up, by the time other people pick it up, because it's now reflecting in your life, you are now living a certain way, it's usually almost too late. It takes 10 times work, right, to get you back to a place where you can experience God again. So constant use of life, and that's why that scripture says, you know, being around people who can touch that heart, right? Being around an environment where you are constantly poked, where you are constantly being, being stared at, where you are constantly being, being jeered at, where you are constantly being challenged, being confronted, you know, it allows you to be able to maintain a soft heart or a tender heart. Praise the name of Jesus. Unconfessing. Unconfessing is another thing. You know, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin. One of the things confession does is it, it, it restores our heart. You know, it restores our heart. So when we confess our sin, God is faithful and just, you know, to cleanse. You see, that word cleanse is to, is to bring that heart. It cleanses our heart. It brings our, our heart to a place of freshness again. You see, sin does damage. You know, it's like, it's like a heat. All right? Now, if you don't do something about it, you keep it, another hit, you do another one, you know. And after a while, you see, you are not moved anymore in that area. You know, you, you develop a heart that is so hardened, seared, and you are not moved anymore. And that's a very dangerous place to be, you know, because you are easily gone, gone, gone. Before you know it, you are completely gone. I mean, things you would never imagine yourself doing, now you are comfortable doing them. You know, that's, you know, unconfessing. That is why we must confront our sin. All right? You know, confront it. You know, when the Bible talks, you see, confession of sin, it's not so much. Many of us, confession of sin is just what we do corporately. You know, somebody's leading prayer, you know, and they just start by saying, oh, let's all confess our sin. You know, if you have done anything against God, that's not where you're confessing, really. You know, that's not where you come from. I mean, if you pile up sin until the next prayer meeting, I mean, it, it, is, it is rather too late at that point. I mean, you're not able to. Now, I believe in the principle around that. The principle around that is to recognize that we don't come before God with our righteousness. Do you get that? You know, I mean, when we come together to pray, we do that to recognize that no matter how you know, you know, great we are, that's not what we are presenting to God. Like, the reason why we have access to God's presence is through what? Jesus Christ. So we say, you know, Lord, we come before you not by our righteousness, right? We present the righteousness. We present the blood of Jesus. That is really not confession of sin. That is more or less confession of our condition, right? As men or women, who are subject to failure, who need Jesus Christ. That is different from confessing sin. Confession of sin must be done specifically and decisively. That is, the moment you realize, look, I have done something wrong, that's the moment you go before God. That's the moment you go on your knees. That's the moment you tell God, Lord, I did this. You know, I thought evil thought concerning brother so-so-and-so. I really found myself wishing him bad, and I know that is wrong. Father, please forgive me and cleanse. That's how you confess, you know, and you are able to deal with that 
you know, and God does what? He cleanses your heart. Your heart is renewed at that point. Now, if you keep on piling sin, what happens is your heart becomes hardened. And you are not able to even feel that conscience that allows you to feel so bad about cursing or feel so bad about impure thought or feel so bad about taking somebody else's stuff. You know, you just start rationalizing it. You start saying, you know, he did it to me. I can do it too, you know. You know, or the, our, our, you know the sin we most excuse is unforgiveness. I don't, I don't know of any sin that Christians excuse more than unforgiveness. We just think, every one of us think we are allowed one or two unforgiveness. I mean, that's, I can forgive everybody, but this one or two, no, 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 no. This is, this is my precious one that I must hold on to. And the problem with that is they harden your heart. They make your heart insensitive to God, and they make your heart unusable by God. Praise the name of Jesus. Another thing that, that leads to that is the enemy. You know, in, in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible talks about uh, the weapons of our warfare. One of the weapons is a shield, a shield of faith. And one of, the, one of the things shield of faith does is to guard our heart from arrows of the enemy. Our heart, spiritual heart, it guards it from the arrows of the enemy. The arrows of the enemy are things that the enemy throws at our hearts. And how does he throw them? The enemy throws things into our heart really by words and really by deception and really by, by twisting things. You know, you know, things happen. Maybe you and somebody have a blowout. Maybe you exchange some words. Um, you know, and you move on. Then you go on your, your way home. The devil start interpreting that, right? Isn't that what happens? You start meditating on it. That's meditation. All of us meditate, really. If we, if we, yeah, we meditate. We, you start, and you know that you start thinking about it. You start getting angrier. I mean, and you are angry. I mean, the thing is just like boiling in you, boiling in you. And the enemy, you, you know, by the time you are telling that story, is, is 10 times more than what really happened. It's 10 times. You know, it, and that's how the enemy puts those arrows in our heart. And he said, we must guard our hearts, right? We must put on the shield of faith, all right, so that you are able to quench. You know, sometimes it's more about what happens in your life. Maybe you have some disappointment. Maybe you are, you know, something didn't go well for you. You know, then you, you know, you obviously you're sad, you're mad, and the enemy comes and starts interpreting that. Starts saying, you know, what's well, see your life. You know, what have you, what do you have to show? You've been serving God all this while, you know, what do you have to show? And you think God cares about you, and you start, you start, you start meditating on that. And what happens? It weakens your faith, your heart becomes hardened, you are not as sensitive to God anymore, you are going far and far removed from God. You know, fairy darts of the enemy. Unbelief. It was mentioned when Hebrews chapter 3. Evil heart and unbelief. We are, we are not, unbelief hardens our heart. And lack of accountability hardens our heart. You know, when you don't have anybody to, to challenge you. You don't have anybody to say, no, 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 no. no. You are beginning to listen to some music that are not really nice. Or, you know, you're beginning to, ah, you're saying some words that you never said before. What's going on with you? You know, I mean, you must have people that will tell you things like that. Ah, you know, some of these things you're doing these days, what is going on? Why are you, now you are coming late to church and you are rationalizing it. Now you are easily able to just stay home and say, I'm going to watch church today. I mean, you, you could never do that 10 years ago. I mean, you, I mean some of the things we rationalize now is, it's like, yeah. Shout out if you are watching us online. Praise God. <laughs> But it better be you are watching online because you cannot be here, right? That's, that's, that's the, when it's acceptable. It better be you are watching online because you are away, you are far away, you are at work, you know, you know, you're not, you know, something, you're feeling, you know, you're sick. Something happened to you, you are not able to be there. You know, when you are watching online, it should be, wow, I wish I'm there. Because, let's face it, 
service, they are not meant to be watched. They are meant to experience, to be experienced, right? You don't watch a service. Huh? You just watch God perform? No. Is, is, that what, is that what service is about? Service, worship is not what you watch. Worship is what you experience. Now, watching is an alternative. But by the time you rationalize, as oh, you know what, I'm skipping today, then something is wrong. That's the enemy trying to put you in a place where you can rationalize things, you know, you would not do before. So it's important. Lack of accountability. You are no longer accountable to people. You're no longer, you don't want to put yourself under authority. You don't want someone to challenge the way you live, the way you behave. Then something is wrong. Uh, Your heart, those things lead to hardness of heart. And hardness of heart is what the enemy wants. (laughs) You know, the enemy can easily deceive a hardened heart. The enemy can easily lie to a hardened heart. The enemy can easily destroy a hardened heart. The enemy can easily, you know, I mean, the enemy is just, that's what he wants. He wants you to be so hardened that it is much more difficult for God to get you. The reason why the enemy couldn't get David was because he had a tender heart. All right? He had a tender heart. He's able to come back. He's, he's quick. The reason why the enemy got saw, he had a hardened heart. He was able to easily rationalize every sin. Every sin had a reason. You know, he had ten reasons why, you know, I did this. Ten reasons why I did this. Ten reasons why. Ten re- and after a while, you are gradually going away, gradually going away, gradually going away. And it is, you, you get to a terrible state. That would not be your portion in Jesus' name. Now, how do we keep a tender heart? How do we keep and maintain a tender heart? The first thing is you must value a tender heart. Now, that's the, you must value it. It must be valuable to you. You know, because what we value, we pursue. That's life, right? If you value something, you pursue it. You will keep your heart tender if tender heart is something that is important to you. And today, hopefully, you at least you got something out of this service, and you see that it is important. A tender heart is important to God, and a tender heart is important to you. Praise the name of Jesus. Those who keep their heart from becoming hard and callous, good things await them. At least you get that. And that now is, your value. That is something you value. Praise the name of Jesus. Number two, you must learn to recognize hardened hearts. You must learn it. And hopefully this message also helps you to recognize, you know what? I think my heart is becoming harder. I'm, I'm becoming cynical. You know, people are giving testimony and making fun of them. I could never do that before. I'm doubt. I'm saying, oh, yeah, maybe it's a lie. Maybe it's not true. You know, you're, you're, I'm beginning to do that. I mean, I used to believe. I used to really just praise God for them. Someone is giving testimony and I'm mad at them. That's not right. I mean, I used to just... Praise God for people before and say, wow, God, you did this. This is awesome. Now I'm saying, oh, I don't know. People, people go on stage this day to give testimony just to show off. What's your, I mean, what? You're reading to people's heart, people's mind. I mean, that's what, I mean, I'm beginning to do things. And the problem with these things is they happen in our hearts. I mean, that's, that's the danger of it. If you don't learn to catch yourself, you know, you know, it's, it's happened to me before. You know, that I come to church, I just feel like this worship was not great. I just feel like it wasn't, I didn't feel the spirit, and in my heart, I just feel like it wasn't great. And I'm going home, you know, and my wife is like, wow, what a great worship. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. You know, <laughs> then I, I just say, thank God I didn't, spoke, I didn't speak too soon. That, that means I determined I was the one having problems. I was the one with a hard heart that was not responsive, that couldn't pick what God is doing. It's very important to know that. If you are not able to discover that, you know, it looks like my heart is becoming hard, callous, insensitive, then you, are not, you, you go too far before we recognize it. Are you beginning to rationalize sin? You know, are you beginning to get to that place? You must learn to recognize, look, there's hardness going on in my heart and I need to do something about it. If you don't know how to recognize it, you, you are in serious trouble. Uh, and I, I pray from today, you know how to recognize it in Jesus' name. Number three, keep a fresh relationship with God. 
Look, God is new every time, every moment. There's no service that is the same. There's no service. Every Sunday service is different. So someone says, oh, another service is because you have a hard heart. I mean, yes, because you won't say, oh, another service, that's just another service. There's nothing like another service. You know, God is fresh. You know, God is completely fresh. I mean, you must learn to appreciate God's freshness. Oh, prayer every day. No, God is new. You must keep, you know, that's actually one of the biggest ways you can keep your heart from drifting. Don't ignore your relationship with God. You know, don't begin to say, you know what, uh, I'm not spending time regularly with God in prayer, you know, Bible study, confession, worship, those things. You know, I'm, you know, I'm going to get to it whenever I get to it. That's a recipe for a hardness of heart. I mean, and you can really just go on. I mean, you can go days, weeks now, you know, without even reading your Bible, without even, I mean, and you are fine. <laughs> wow, that's a serious problem. You know, you must keep a fresh relationship with God. Number four, I mentioned some of this. Confess your sin quickly and decisively. Do it quickly at the first. Do, and do it decisively. Decisively means you mention it before God. You know, don't, don't say, God, all our sin, the one we thought about, you know, the one we did when we didn't know. You know, forget about the one you did when you didn't know. That's, I mean, deal with the one you knew, all right? I mean, don't... don't don't, don't try to just, you know, gloss over it and just say, you know, even the thoughts, even this, you know, just let's move on, God, in Jesus' name. I mean, don't use speaking in tongues to confess your sin. You know, don't speak in tongues, you know, and just confess, you know, just speak in tongues over your sin. That's not going to happen. Now, what you do with sin is to deal with it decisively. Go before God and say, God, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And I'm sorry. There's nothing legalistic about it. In fact, that is the beauty of relationship. That's the beauty of relationship. The beauty of relationship is you can name it to God, and you can say, God, I'm sorry, and you can experience forgiveness, and you can rebound and keep moving with your life. You don't have to go around with the weight of sin. You know, you don't have to go around. You can confess it and move it and do it quickly. The Bible says, whosoever conceal their sins, they don't prosper. You don't conceal it. Number four, process and release your personal pain. You know, a lot of times when people internalize pain, you know, challenges, problems of life, it makes you hard. You hold on to hurt. When you're emotionally hurt, you don't deal with it. It, 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 it hardens your heart. You know, we can easily, when you go through life, you must learn to find someone to pour out to. That's, that's one of the value of, you know, going for counseling, going for even professional counseling. Is that you are able to find someone you trust, right? And you're, just, you're able to just pour it out. You don't need to make yourself look good. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to, you know, posture and keep some posture and be nice. You know, that's a recipe for being destroyed, you know. So when you are going through things in life, you need to be able to go to God and say, first of all, to God and read. But you need also to be able to release those pain, find a, you know, somewhere, you know, someone, right, to help you process those pain. If it is disappointment, tell them, you know, I'm so disappointed now. I'm, I'm so disappointed. You know, I am so this. You are able to process it in a healthy way, Right? Don't just find people who will, you know, join you in money and join you and, you know, doing whatever. No, 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 no. Find people, a place where you can find healing. Praise the name of Jesus. And number six, keep an attitude of gratitude. Hard people are ungrateful people. People who have a hardened heart, they're ungrateful. You know, because for them, you know, life is hard, life is raw. God has not been good to them. Life has not been good to them. Why should life be good to anybody? And that's how they rationalize it, all right? So we must not allow this to happen to you. But people who have an attitude of gratitude, right, they maintain a tender heart. They, they focus on what God is doing, what God has done. They focus on good things that God is doing. You know, they are not, they are not just focusing on one thing or two things that are not working in their life. 
and just allow that to cloud their judgment of, you know, every other thing that is working in their life. So it's very important. You must continuously challenge yourself, you know, to focus on the good things God has done. You know, there's an old, old hymn, right? Count your blessing. Oh, name them one by one. And it will surprise you. And truly, it will surprise you. If you really just say, you know what? You know, let me just write down what God has done for me. Since I was born, at least since I could realize, he will, he will finish and say, wow, God, I actually have not been grateful. Someone made a joke. He said, if I had, you know, we love, we love to say, Lord, if I have 10,000 tongues, they are not they are not enough to praise you. No, just use the one tongue that you have. So, so <laughs> stop wishing for 10,000 tongues. The one tongue you have, you have not even used it enough to praise God. You use it to complain, to murmur, to tell everybody. Now you are wishing for 10,000. Wow, you think God wants to give you 10,000? 10,000 tongues to murmur, to complain, to gossip, and to talk about how he's not been good enough. Hallelujah. And number seven, forgive quickly and completely. Forgive quickly. Look, don't, one of the things that can damage our heart the most is unforgiveness. We keep that in our heart. Because hurt it doesn't stay in the mind. Hurt goes deep when someone hurts you. You know, your wife, your sibling, your family, your husband, your church people, your whatever. You know, when they hurt you, it goes into your heart. And when you don't release it, it's there. You keep it there. And after a while, they damage, they make your, you make your heart diseased and hardened. And what the damage with that is you become insensitive to God. And, and you are not able to, you know, to be what God wants us to be. Today, I want to pray for those people. I want us, all of us to bow down our heads. If you have hurt, people that have hurt you, and I just feel like a number of people here, you have people who have hurt you. When you remember them, you still feel that, che- that, that, that pain in your chest. And you want to say, Lord, I want to release it. In fact, I want all of us to rise up. I want all of us to rise up. I want all of us to rise up. Hallelujah. 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 I want to ask you, what is the condition of your heart today? What is the condition of your heart? Where is your heart? Has it been damaged? Has it been hardened by life circumstance, by sin, by challenges, you know, by things you've gone through? But there is a healing here today for every hardened heart. So the first thing I want to do is just pray for healing. And I want you to place your hand on your chest you know, just as a symbol, you know, just as a demonstration, a physical demonstration. Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask you to move in this place, to flow here, and begin to melt every heart, and begin to repair every heart, every heart that has been hardened, damaged by disappointment. Some of us, our heart has been really broken and damaged, shattered over and over again by disappointment. Disappointment, all kinds. And they're they're hard. They're not as sensitive. Some of us, our heart has been damaged maybe by sin. You are indulging in things that you're not supposed to hold. It used to bother you, now you are used to it. Lord, I'm praying in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit will move through everyone's heart here and begin to repair, begin to soften. Holy Spirit, begin to soften to soften. Bring us back again to a place where we are sensitive to you. We are responsive to you. We are sensitive to other people. And we are responsive to other people. A place where our heart can easily be used. You know, can easily, is pliable in the mighty name of Jesus. But specific, while we are still standing, please, I'd like to specifically pray for people who, you know, you know you are battling with unforgiveness. You know, you've been hurt, and it's been so difficult for you. i like to pray for you. And i like, I like you to just, just wave your hand so I know who I'm praying for. I'm not, just wave your hand. God bless you. Yeah, wave your hand. Wave your hand. And I want you to place your hands on your chest if you're in that category. Only if you're in that category. 
Lord, I'm praying for the supernatural power of God that comes and enables people to do supernatural things. Forgiveness is a supernatural thing. So I'm praying and I'm coming in agreement with all these ones, placing their heart, I mean their hands in their chest because they've been hurt. And you know that hurt. You know. You know where they've been hurt. But Lord, you also know keeping that hurt is doing a damage to their heart. So I'm praying, Lord, they'll be able to release that hurt. They'll be able to forgive. They'll be able to release those people that they are holding in their heart. And they'll be able to experience healing that comes from you. So I'm praying that you will heal every heart. Bring healing. Bring healing. In the mighty name of Jesus. While all heads are bowed and closed, you know, I'd like to pray for anyone here. You haven't really surrendered your life to Jesus. You know, and you know it. You know that you have not received that heart of flesh. And you want to say, you know what, I think I need, I need that. I know now I need that. If you're in that category, just wave your hand so I see you. Anyone here, just wave, just wave your right hand so I see you and I know I'm praying for you. I know who I'm praying for. Anyone here, I'll give you a few more seconds. If you're here, please just wave your right hand. All right, we're all safe. Thank God for that. Lord, I pray for your people today. I pray this word that we have heard today will not come back to you void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. The purpose is to help us to maintain a tender heart, a heart that is sensitive to you, sensitive to the needs of others, a heart that is sensitive to sin, and a heart that is usable by you. Thank you because you've answered our prayer. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen.